It's time for Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. All right, this is the wrap on 760 WJR. To a car phone we go. Dave, thanks for hanging on. You're on 760. Gentlemen, and Steve and Dan, you got the chemistry. It's cooking. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Are you calling us from your office? I'm doing SportsCenter tonight. With, Are you uh, really? Dan Patrick. Well, yes. I'm very impressed. By the way, give Dan our best. He's a good man. And, I will. Uh, hey, hey, Dan. Chuck Swirsky says hi. This is the best sports rap has ever been, in my opinion. Now, here's your host, Chris Renwick. Well, hello. Good Saturday to you. Nice to be back here on Sports Wrap. Uh, I uh, was off for uh, a couple of weeks as we welcomed in a new addition to the family. Young Henry uh, was born on uh, January 21st. So I was off taking care of Henry and Jake and the family. And uh, so that's where I was. So thank you, Matt. Uh, Matt Lorenick, who filled in for me. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, I think it's fitting that we start this particular show. Um, Because, look, back when this was started in the early 80s, sports talk wasn't a thing. It wasn't a thing. It it certainly wasn't a thing here in, in the city of Detroit, in this market. And even around the country, sports talk radio didn't really exist. It was just kind of in its infancy in a few of the, of the, of the larger markets. But for the most part, sports talk was, it wasn't, it wasn't invented yet, essentially. Um, and the man who brought sports rap to WJR, the man who brought sports talk to Detroit, uh, um, we lost. And that's Frank Beckman. Um, and obviously, I was very close with Frank uh, as the producer on his show for, for a number of years. Um, but, I, you know, when you talk about the impact somebody has, you know, Frank retired in March of 2021. And, and I think that when, you know, we look at his career in totality, it's like, my goodness, what a, what a titan. You know, spending 40, you know, WJ was celebrating their 100th year anniversary. We're, we're 100 years old this year which is crazy to think about. What's even crazier to think about is Frank was at WJR for 48 years. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that is an incredible feat. And, and, and that speaks to the longevity and the, and the, the genius that was Frank. Um, so Frank started sports rap, uh, I believe in 1981. And he's just, you know, without him, who knows what, what this market would look like. Not even from a journalistic standpoint, or a news talk standpoint, or whatever it's from a sports standpoint. Is there, Jason, is there a person in this city that has had a bigger impact on sports and sports radio than Frank Beckman? No, not at all. I'm not sure. I don't think there is. I mean, you go back and you talk about Ernie Harwell, talk about Bob Eufer, who Frank succeeded at, at the University of Michigan in the play-by-play booth on the radio. Um, But they were in the play-by-play booth. Like, they had a very different job. Frank was the sports director at WJR and he he just did everything. I mean, he called every single pro sports team in the city. Only person to do that. Did Michigan football for 33 years, which is an incredible feat. Um and then he invents a sports, you know, a, a sports talk format in the city. Uh I think this city owes owes him uh, uh, a lot. And Frank was a great man um and I'm I'm really really sad he's gone. Um but I think that as we look at what this show is, what it was. And now as we are here in 2022, we just try to carry on that legacy of, of doing good, intelligent thought provoking sports content. 
um, just like he did. And we're going to continue to do that for you here on WJR. Uh, so sad that we lost Frank, um, but we're very blessed that he gave us uh, this here at WJR. So very happy about that. Uh, in the meantime, Jace, have you been watching any of the Olympics? Are you a big Olympics guy? I've I'm watched, a big Olympics guy. No, I'm not a big Olympics guy. I've watched a little bit of the hockey. Uh, that's about it. Yeah, and that's been disappointing, unfortunately. Both the U.S. men's and women bounced and it, just not what it wanted, what we wanted it to be. But, of course, the NHL players weren't playing because of COVID um, and the COVID concerns. And they were having issues in the NHL before the Olympics. So they just, between the league and the Players Association, they just shut it down and said, we're not doing this. But there were some players. Franz Nielsen played uh, with uh, uh, Slovenia. And then uh, Thomas Yurko. Remember Thomas Yurko? He's a draft pick of the Red Wings a number of years ago. He was that kid. He was like the first like hockey YouTuber who was uh, – he would put videos online of him like doing crazy tricks like stick handling and stuff like that. Just like a – kind of like a phenom. And the Red Wings drafted him and he just – he never really materialized here in Detroit. Um, but he was on the ice and, and a, lot, a lot of kind of former NHL guys who – maybe weren't in the league or retired so that they could go play um, uh, in the Olympics for their countries. It's, 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 it was interesting to watch, but unfortunately uh, the U S headed by uh, a lot of big 10 support, particularly university of Michigan, couple of guys there playing on team. They just, they, they weren't able to, to do it. They had flashes, showed flashes, but they just weren't able to materialize. Have you been, have you caught any of this, this uh, drama with the Russian figure skater? Th- this has been to me, the story of the Olympics, because I will say, Camilla uh, Vieva, the Russian figure skater, fifteen years old, is it, by all accounts like the next best thing. Like she is, like p- people have called her the best figure skater of all time. She's fifteen years old. Like she is kind of like a prodigy. Well she gets popped for taking a banned substance. Mind you, Russia still is not competing under Russia. They are still competing under the ROC, the Russian Olympic Committee, because of state-sponsored doping a number of years ago. So the Olympic Committee just said, uh, look, all of the, you will not be able to win medals. Like You won't be able to, to win medals for your country. If you get a gold, you, we're not going to have a podium celebration. Like You can send your athletes but they're coming for really nothing. And it's more of a pride thing for, I think, a lot of these athletes, which I don't have much of an issue with. And I think a lot of these athletes that are competing for Russia now had no connection to the state-sponsored doping that was going on a number of years ago. So we saw it uh, a couple of months ago uh, in the Summer Olympics. We're seeing it now. Um, And I believe this is the last Olympics where they won't be able to compete under the Russian flag. I think going forward, they will be. But... This particular situation with Vieva, she took a banned substance. It was a heart medication. And many doping experts will say, and, and the I think the International Olympic Committee has said, that this improves stamina, it increases stamina, and that it's an unfair advantage. And so she took this apparently unknowingly. She's 15 years old. This girl has been put through the ringer. Now, people have said she shouldn't be able to compete. People say she shouldn't be on the ice. People have said that she doesn't even deserve to be in Beijing. And I would agree with all of those things. And I don't, I'm not even saying it's her fault. Let's operate under the assumption 
of ignorance. Let's operate under the assumption that she had no idea what she was taking if she took this pill. Something was said that it got she got her grandfather's medication mixed up with hers. Okay, well, that sounds like an excuse and not a very good one. But I would I would tend to agree that she shouldn't have been on the ice. She shouldn't have skated. She she had no business being out there, especially with Russia's history and doping. And, you know, if you, if you watch the Olympics and you watch the coverage on NBC, who is it? Tara Lipinski and, uh, and Johnny Weir, who are fantastic, by the way. They do a wonderful job providing insight, play-by-play, color commentary of what's going on on the ice, what's coming up. They do a great job explaining it all. And they were really very cold to her, especially in the in the in the leading up to the her final skate. Um, and and you know, the other night, last night, we saw the culmination of it, where she took the ice for the final time. Everybody and their brother was expecting this young lady to finish atop the podium. She was going to finish number one with a gold medal and an asterisk. And instead, the weeks of this the weight of it, the piling on, on this young woman, uh, I think finally, we, we saw what that did to her. She fell twice, had a huge stumble, and look, I'm not, we're not breaking down uh, Olympic figure skating, all right? But I think overall, what we saw last night was some of the most compelling Olympic coverage I've ever seen. As she came off the ice, she was in shambles. I think as soon as she or had her final pose on the ice after the music ended. She kind of waved her hand like, like, forget this. Did her bows and then skated off the ice. And as soon as she walked out that door uh, and was going to sit down to wait for her scores, she was just breaking. I mean, she was a mess. She was bawling. And the only thing her coach could say to her when she came over to the sideline or when she came off the ice was, why'd you give up? Very hard on her. Very hard. In Russian, people had to people had to had to translate it, but very hard on her. And 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 then you saw the woman who finished second place. It was Russia, Russia, and then I believe a skater from Japan were the top three finishers. Uh, Alexandria Trasova, extremely upset. She was angry. She was crying. She was really throwing a temper tantrum. Off the ice, 17 years old, said she thought she had done enough to win the gold medal. But instead, one of her fellow country women and and skaters took the first place spot on the stand. It was really compelling television. And at a couple of times, I think Johnny Weir had said something like, this is tough to watch. Like trying to get the producers to, to, you know, move off camera from this. But they stayed with it. And I'm glad they did because it was compelling compelling stuff. And and I think that when you look at the the emotion, you know, this is a four-year buildup leading to this point. This is what you've been working for. And from Tresova's perspective, she's just upset. She, she thought she did enough. She didn't do enough, according to the judges. So she's like, I hate this sport. I'm not going back out on the ice. I'm done. She she was angry, which if you're a competitor, I get. But the, the 15-year-old who who we we I think we saw the weight of the world come down on this young woman on Thursday night. It was tough to watch, but it was compelling. Uh, we can continue our Olympic uh, talk on the other side. I want to hear what Jason's been most interested in the Olympics. I'll tell you what I've been most interested uh, as well. Uh, I you know I don't know why every year I watch this or every four years I watch a sport in the Winter Olympics and I just love it. I love it. 
And I keep saying I want to do it and never do it. So I need to do it. Uh, we're going to talk about Matt Stafford. Excuse me, Matthew Stafford. We'll talk about him coming up. Where he falls in line. Is he a Hall of Famer? Should he have done more to help that poor phone dog at the parade with five people? We'll talk about that next as Sports Rap continues here on WJR. Now back to more Sports Rap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, Jason, so what are what, what moves the needle for you in the Olympics? You talked about watching uh, hockey, but what else are you what else are you into? In the, are, are you a Summer Olympics guy? Are you a Winter Olympics guy? Not really. Not really neither. Oh, you don't you like know, either. But you know what? I, I was, I did catch, now that I think about it, the bobsledding. I like the bobsledding. Okay. Now, I'll tell you, I don't know if there's a more... I don't know if there's a more uh, terrifying sport than sculling. Have you watched sculling? No. Uh-uh. So sculling is like, it's the luge, right? So you've seen a luge. Yeah. Uh, it's the luge, except they're face down, so stomach down, and face first. Oof. Like, what, how do you, how do you get into that? It's kind of like badminton in the Summer Olympics. <laughs> like, I don't know how you get into that. How do you possibly get into the skeleton? And you're going, you know, 75, 80 miles an hour down an ice tube head first on, you know, two blades. You're a madman. That's how I feel about you. If you're a, if you, if, if, if that's the sport you uh, choose to be in, like, uh, you're, you're, you're the person who's like jumping out of the plane, uh, without a parachute and just like gliders on, like just open that you're making it to the bottom. Like that's gotta be such an exhilarating rush. Right, like a thrill seeker. Now, when you're a kid, does it start like maybe going to the water park and going headfirst down the big slide? And you're like, wow, this is cool. I need to add ice in wintertime to this. Yeah, and, <laughs> and steel blades that are very sharp on the right. bottom. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good point. I don't, I don't know how that gets started. Um, so I always, like, I, I'm a big Olympics guy. I love the Olympics. Because as a sports fan, I like to see what else is out there. Like, I like to see... I like to see what other kind of weird niche kind of sports. And um, I love curling. I think curling is my go-to in the Winter Olympics. Like, I I could watch curling during the Olympics. Like, you know, in, like, December, I ain't watching curling, right? Like, it's a it's a every four-year treat where I'll, I'll sit down, and I can have curling on literally from the time I get up to the time I go to bed. Like, I love curling. Uh, so I'm a big curling guy. I also, I've been getting really into a lot of the, um, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, they're, they're like, I've been much more like ski and snowboard focused this year too. Like the long jumps and the, like the freestyle high jumps for the skiers. Like I've been really into those too. And, and I, you know, here's the thing is like, I feel like it's like when you go to the circus. Like, you're not going to the, or like Cirque du Soleil. Like, you go to Cirque du Soleil, like, you know that these people can do these crazy things. Aren't you kind of going to see, like, somebody fall? Like, isn't that why people go? Because if you go and watch them, you know, stand on, you know, a chair on top of a plate, on top of a box, on top of a box of tissues, on top of a, you know, dishwasher, you're like, yeah, I, that's kind of what I imagine, because that's kind of what you do, you're trained to do. But like, isn't the more thrilling thing like if they fall off the 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 washing machine? You know what I mean? Like that's kind of how I feel about these skiers that are doing these crazy tricks, you know, off like super high jumps. Like I feel like everybody's kind of watching to see if they fall. 
I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. But it's been really fun. I, I've been really enjoying these games, aside from all the, you know, the, the political stuff that has gone on. And I think NBC actually has done a pretty good job of, of mixing in both. But I think for the most part, it's been a, a relatively successful game so far. And we got the, the closing ceremonies coming up tomorrow. Um, so that'll, that'll put uh, the end to the Winter Olympics. In the meantime, speaking of Winter Olympics, uh, Matt Stafford would medal in uh, tequila consumption in these Olympic games, I think. Wow. You know, Matt Stafford has become a guy. And look, I have not been, uh, I've not minced my words about how I thought uh, people who are rooting for Matt Stafford, like, to me, I don't understand it. I don't get it. You don't have, and your, I don't, you don't have your Detroit Rams t-shirt? Oh, God uh, almighty. It's, it's so gross. It's so It's so gross because, look, the thing is, and, 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 you know, somebody brought it up to me the other day. And they said, well, did you root for uh, Justin Verlander when he went to Houston? And I said, absolutely, I rooted for Justin Verlander. And they're like, well, how could you root for Justin Verlander and not root for Matt Stafford? And I'm like, well, that's pretty simple. In the Justin Verlander deal, there was no incentive to the Detroit Tigers, who I'm a fan of. It was There was no incentive for the Astros to do poorly. Like, there was no, if, if, if Houston got bounced in the first round of, you know, the playoffs, we would have a better pick. Or if they missed the playoffs, we'd have a better pick. That wasn't the case. There was none of that attached. So for me, knowing that my team isn't going to make the playoffs, knowing that my team isn't any good, they're not going to win a pennant, they're not going to win a World Series, yeah, I'm going to root for my guy who I think is one of the best pitchers I've ever seen. I hope he gets a ring. But with Matt Stafford, that wasn't the case. Love Matt Stafford. think he's a great guy. think he's a wonderful quarterback. Um, but there was, a, there was an incentive for my team to, to root against Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford is no longer a Detroit Lion. And, and me wanting Matt Stafford to lose is nothing against Matt Stafford. It's the fact that now that deal that Brad Holmes made in the offseason to ship Matthew Stafford to L.A. in exchange for a couple of first-round picks, was it a third-round pick and Jared Goff? I thought that was an incredible haul for Matt Stafford. Now, that first-round pick from the Rams, instead of being, like, in the low teens, high 20s, you're at 32. It's essentially a second-round pick. So, for me, the the the, the rooting for or, or rooting against Matt Stafford was nothing personal. It's just that it helps my team if you lose. I have more of a vested interest in my team acquiring a better pick because Matt Stafford loses. And, look, I know there are people saying, look, uh, 25, 22, 19, as opposed to 32, you're going to be able to find a good player at 32. And of course you are. Of course, there will be good players that are undrafted that are going to make rosters and be, you know, impact players in the NFL. But I like to give myself the best opportunity to find the best player I want. I want to give myself the best opportunity to have as many options on the table. Jason, when you go to a buffet, don't you want to have all of the options there for you? Sure do. If you go to a buffet and all of a sudden there are three things that you were looking forward to eating and they're not there, aren't you going to be a little upset? Because you didn't have the choice. Right. So for me, I didn't understand the Detroit Rams thing. I don't understand people rooting for Matt Stafford. 
I think Matt Stafford's a great guy. Did a lot for this community. Heck, did a lot for State Detroit with Mitch Album. Great guy. Great. Obviously a great guy. But I had I I couldn't have been more upset he, that Matt Stafford won the Super Bowl. It had to be the ex, it had to be the next year, the year that he left. It had to be the first year that he was gone that he had to go Chase, win. It's the most Lions thing ever. You're right. He couldn't wait a couple of years. The most Lions thing ever. <laughs> and, and again, I'm happy for, for Matthew Stafford. I'm I'm I I think that he is deserving of a Super Bowl. I think he's a sure. great quarterback. And and obviously, you know, a couple of times this postseason game on the line, who was driving down the field? that we have seen time and time again here in Detroit making plays to put him in a position to win, Matthew Stafford. So it wasn't a surprise to see him do that in a couple of games this postseason. Yeah, he did three games. But, uh, yeah, so now my team has has a worse pick because Matt Stafford did well, and people are like, yay, Matthew. I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. What would you think of the Super Bowl, by the way? It, it, it was a good game. What not Not one of the best. Um, if you, you know, if you see the score, you're like, well, I need to see the game. Wow. That was a really close game. It it was, it it wasn't an overly exciting game, but it was, you know, it it was for Stafford to lead him, uh, from behind at at the end there was cool. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good game. Not the best, but it was, it was, it was a good game. It was definitely better than last year. Last year's game was horrible. Tampa and Kansas city. When we all need, we needed last year's Super Bowl to be better than it was, but it wasn't. Well, look, I think the Kansas City Chiefs got to look themselves in the mirror and try to figure out what's going on because they were disappointing to start the season. They got hot the second half, um, and then and then coming off last year, yeah, it's just, you know, I think they got to take a good hard look. Um, but I will say, I will say, you know, there had been all of these discussions about now Matt Stafford and his place in the history books. Is Matt Stafford a Hall of Famer? And Richard Sherman came out and and said, no, he's – Never an all-pro, no MVPs, blah, 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 blah. But he's got the stats. If nothing else, he's got the numbers. And now he's got, you know, his first shot with a good team and a good organization who completely mortgaged their future to go all in. I mean, this was it. This was, this is it. They had one shot at this. And they capitalized. And with that shot, Matt Stafford... Went undefeated in the postseason. Didn't wasn't always pretty. Didn't always look good. But with three late drive, late game situations, Matt Stafford got it done. And I absolutely believe Matthew Stafford's a Hall of Famer at this point. I don't know if he was pre-championship, but I think after winning the Super Bowl, I think he has to be. And and look, Matthew Stafford's got time left. And I think that that it's very possible. I don't know if it's likely, but it's possible that they keep this thing together for another year, maybe two, and see what they can do. If Sean McVay's out, if if Aaron Donald is out, if you know OBJ leaves, I don't know. Stay, it looks a lot different, but we'll see. Um, and, and and after that Super Bowl parade this week, is there what a miserable fan base LA fans are. Did you see that Super Bowl parade? Saw a little bit. I think there was 15 people there. (laughs) Right. I mean, oh my God, your team just won a Super Bowl. And and I'll tell you what, I think I saw more Laker gear out at the parade than I saw Rams gear. It was it was a wild scene. And that kind of goes back to the the uh, was it the Niners game, the NFC Championship, where half the stadium was Niner fans. So you showed how the uh, Rams fans represented that game. Yep. 
I I don't know. Man, it was it was it was fun watching Matt Stafford get all liquored up on 42 and and he was having a good time. He was having a good time until did you see the video of the photographer who fell off the stage and broke her back? Yeah. And Matt Stafford just was like, "Whoops," and like turned her. He was like, "Look, it was standing right next to her pretty much." And he looked at her, saw her fall, and then kind of like raised his eyebrows and turned around and walked away. And Kelly was there with him. And she looked like she kind of looked over or went down to help or whatever. And I think the Staffords are going to be paying for all of her medical care because of this. Yes. And replacing again, her two cameras that also broke. Yeah. Again, I, Matthew Stafford, first of all, he wasn't in his right mind. He's had a, he's had a stogie in his hand since they won that championship. He's been drinking for days. Like, I, I think sober Matt Stafford goes down to help that young lady. Matthew Stafford in the state that he was in, I don't begrudge him too much. It, was, it wasn't a good look. The optics were really bad. But I, I don't I don't know that he was in any state to be uh, providing any sort of care for this woman. I don't know. I'll tell you. I, I think it's I think it's the I think it's an interesting uh, we're entering an interesting period now. We can talk about this too on the other side. But now, where, where, what does this mean for the Lions? What does this mean for Matthew Stafford? Can they keep the band together? Do they think they've got enough firepower to, to take another run at this? I don't know. I don't know what they do. Where there's smoke, there's fire. And there's a lot of smoke around the fact that these couple of these players are just, like, they want out. Either Aaron Donald wants to retire or Sean McVay wants to retire. I think could look a lot different next year. We'll also talk about Oakland Hills. What a what a sad situation at Oakland Hills. We'll talk about that next here on Sports Rep as we continue on WJR this evening. Chris Renwick in. Now back to more Sports Rap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. You know, there are our our a lot of iconic structures in this in this country, but in the state of Michigan. And in the world of sports, I don't know if we've got a more iconic building than the clubhouse at Oakland Hills. First of all, uh, it's a tremendous course with tremendous history. I mean, the amount of, of huge events that they've had there, U.S. Amateurs, Ryder Cups, U.S. Opens. I mean, like, like really high level golf that have been played there. Ben Hogan, Arnold Palmer, Jack, Tiger. I mean, just the titans of the game. It was a really sad scene a few days ago. After, you know, being essentially closed down for a couple of years because they were renovating the South Course, did some renovations on the clubhouse, um, and just reopening. Like, this what past summer to have to have that scene at Oakland Hills yes or, or, or a couple of days ago was just heart wrenching. I mean, the fire that was that somehow got started and just ravaged that building, that clubhouse, that iconic clubhouse. And I I don't know. I mean, look, it's a it's a private club. It's a very exclusive club. But this was the second largest wooden structure in the country. The second largest wooden building in the country. 
only number two to the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island. So it tells you from a historical standpoint, the the building's, you know, standing, not only as, a, as an iconic structure, but as, as an iconic sports structure. And having been at Oakland Hills a bunch of times, having been in that clubhouse, look, and I don't even think I've I've walked that whole clubhouse, but having been there a bunch of times, the amount, I mean, it's it's like a museum. The amount of memorabilia, the amount of history that's in that place. So when 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 the 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 footage was starting to come out that Oakland Hills was on fire, it just your heart sunk. And it sunk because my first worry was, well, I hope everybody's okay. Number one. Thankfully, there were no injuries. But number two, it's we need to make sure that we're preserving as much of this memorabilia as possible. And by all accounts, there were employees from Oakland Hills trying to get back in. Fire department officials weren't letting that happen. So the fire department asked somebody, what are the most important pieces we, we you have here? What, what do we need? And so firefighters went in and and then at the front door of the place, you had almost every employee of Oakland Hills standing outside forming a single file line. And the firefighters would come out and they would they would go inside, grab whatever memorabilia they could, and they would come out and hand it to that first employee on the steps. And then like a like an assembly line, like a production line, they would just pass it back down the line, down the line to the next person, to the next person, to the next person. And they saved a lot of memorabilia because of that. Lives cannot be replaced. Buildings can. The memories of that place will exist still, but in a different way. It looks like that whole building is a total loss. Is it? Are they going to be able to preserve some of it? We'll see. But from a sports perspective, from a sports standpoint, as great as the Joe is, or as great as, you know, Tiger Stadium was, boy, I'll tell you, Oakland Hills is is up there. It's up there. So thankfully nobody was hurt, and thankfully they were able to preserve some of that memorabilia that was in there. I'll tell you what, we'll take one more quick break, come back on the other side. Jim Harbaugh is back at the University of Michigan. Contract details have been released. We'll talk about what that means for the organ for the program and and what that potentially holds for the future here for Jim Harbaugh. That next here on Sports Rap as we continue on here on WJR this evening. More sports rap presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. So Jim Harbaugh coming back to the University of Michigan. We know that. And and look, I, I told you a couple of weeks ago that I thought Jim Harbaugh's interest in the NFL was real. I thought that that I, I did. I thought that Jim Harbaugh would be back. And I think I was. I ended up being right by default. Because I don't think anybody saw what happened with Jim Harbaugh, expected that to be the case. Like, I just don't think anybody expected that. 
where he flies out to an NFL organization for an in-person interview and, and then flies home as the head coach of the University of Michigan. I just didn't see that. I thought if he goes and takes a job interview in the NFL, you know, I think Jim Harbaugh carries enough cachet. I thought Jim Harbaugh is a, a, certainly a good enough coach that he'd get the job, but he didn't. And whether or not a contract offer was extended to him by the Minnesota Vikings is irrelevant because either way, Jim Harbaugh's coming back. And, and as he was, you know, getting on the plane, getting ready to come back to Ann Arbor, he's, he talks to Ward Manuel, says, look, I want to come back to the University of Michigan. I want to be the head coach, and I want to be there as long as you'll have me. And everybody in Ann Arbor is elated. Jim Harbaugh coming off a, a, an, a, the best season he's had as the head coach of this team. Jim Harbaugh coming off a Big Ten championship win. Jim Harbaugh coming off an appearance in the college football playoff. And a lot of that momentum, I think, was stymied a little bit because of, of the his flirtation with the NFL. And I don't think anybody begrudges him for looking at the NFL. But there was a lot of questions about the contract that was on the table and, and what that would look like. Well, now we, we've got an idea what that looks like. So here's what we got. Jim Harbaugh's base salary now in 2022 will be $7 million. But one of the, I think the, the, the questionable parts in all of this was the buyout dollars. Jim Harbaugh, if he were to leave early from his contract, he would owe just $3 million to the university. And then that would decrease to two and a quarter million in 2023, one and a half million in 2024, and then under a million dollars at 750000 in 2025. And I, when you look at other high-profile coaches' buyouts, generally those numbers are a lot more. Double, triple in some cases. So I think a lot that, that left a lot of folks scratching their heads wondering, well, if Jim... And look, maybe Jim says... It doesn't. You can. You, it doesn't matter what the buyout is. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to retire here. This is. This is now my plan. Then it really. I guess it really doesn't matter what the buyout is, is it? Doesn't really matter. But I think it. It left a lot of people questioning what that means. Also, I think a lot of people questioned the the base salary. You know, in a time when somebody like Mel Tucker gets a ten year, ten million dollar per deal. You're like, well, hold on a second. He's got to be at least in line with that. Not really. I, I think it's been pretty clear that Jim Harbaugh doesn't really care much about the money. I think it's been pretty clear that Jim Harbaugh, uh, by his actions and donating all of the bonus money from last year to people in the athletic department who had to take pay cuts because of the pandemic, and the, 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 the money doesn't really matter much to Jim Harbaugh. I think it's about respect. I think it's about... Uh, uh, it's about having the faith he's going to do the job and I think he's got that now they've got an NIL department those things are going to mean something to Michigan I think those were a lot of sticking points for Jim Harbaugh I told you they were and and he came out on top on a lot of these things so I don't think the salary matters much to Jim Harbaugh or Michigan I think if they wanted to pay him 12 million dollars they probably could so Jim Harbaugh here on a new deal that'll take him all the way to 25 and that's certainly good news for Michigan fans in that program 
All right, that's going to do it for us tonight. We'll be back with you tomorrow. We'll talk about the MLB lockout because some interesting stuff coming out of those discussions. That tomorrow here on Sports Rep. Have yourself a wonderful night.